Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast, the only podcast that's a bit like a Matterson's Double Dipper, and it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. <laughs> uh, and a little bit of this, in this case, is the Monza GP, and a little bit of that is the Singapore GP. Um, we'll be doing a bit of a double header tonight since we missed out recording on the other one due to holidays and various other things. Uh, and we shall very desperately try and get this one up on the day it was recorded, which is a feat I've never managed so far, uh, but to try and get us in ahead of Suzuka, which is this weekend. Blimey, they come thick and fast after thick that winter fast, break, don't they? Indeed. You go all of August with nothing to do, and then bang. <laughs> and then three, three come along at once, uh, indeed. So, well, let's get this rolling then and try and get this done and dusted. Uh, starting first with the Italian GP at Monza. Um, I feel a bit bad that we consistently throughout the season say how much we love this GP and how it's always one of the better races on the calendar, uh, only to have it turn up in 2015, be one of the dullest races on yeah, the calendar this season. Pretty much. Um, the, right, the right was on the wall as soon as Nico started having his engine trouble because he was realistically the only person that was ever going to challenge Lewis at this track. Uh, and when Nico had to jump into the uh, the old engine... Uh, that was really it. <laughs> that was all she wrote. And I think that was on the Friday, wasn't it? Oh, so. Well, it was, and it, it, it didn't even look like he he had the matching of Lewis anyway. It was, it was no, always looking true. like he was probably going to be second. Even um, with the top engine, uh, yeah, he probably would have been beaten anyway, like you say. But without it, it was no It chance. was foregone, wasn't it, really? Any, when you look at the fastest laps between Lewis and uh, Vettel in second, it's, um, it's insane. It's nearly a second, do you know what I mean? And it's just like, Okay, uh, that kind of says it all about the the pace difference, I think. Um, and this was a Ferrari engine that I believe had been upgraded, wasn't it? It so was. They did bring them Ferrari in. Ferrari used some they? tokens in the the run up to the Italian Grand Prix, uh, and I've improved it, <laughs> improved it to a second, just a second a lap behind. Uh, uh, I, I suppose a gain is a gain at the end of the day, but <laughs> probably not enough for the Tifosi in uh, in Italy on that particular day. Um, well, let's talk about Rosberg because I wanted to bring something up I brought up on Twitter and um, uh, at F1 Jordan had a nice conversation with us of trying to trying to kind of talk our way through this and I was like, well, you're going to bring a new spec engine. I guess there's a reasonable chance that something could go wrong with it. Yeah, you know, dyno testing can only do so much. So why bring as a backup an old engine? Why Why don't you bring a new old spec engine as backup? So that if it fails, you swap it over. Um, you lose out in terms of that you have to put that engine into the mix. Um, so therefore, you're stuck with it for another like three or four races or whatever it is that they have to make the engines last for before they get he gets to move over to the new spec engine. But at least he's not hampered for this race. Um, and although th- this part of the question didn't really answer for me, when is an engine in the pool? Just because you bring it, or does it actually have to be physically fitted to the car before it counts? Do you know what I mean? It counts as one of your of your allotted. Allotted, allotted is the key word there, isn't it? Yeah, because it's for a season mm-hmm. at the moment, which is just it's nothing, no. isn't it? Four of what? How many races? Twenty? Twenty-one? Yeah. 
25 by the time Bernie gets his way. <laughs> Probably. So, um, yeah, four engines over the course. Think of the mileage that these things do. Four engines getting pushed to the limit, you know, especially, you know, when everybody's competing, trying to every second, every tiny little bit of horsepower that you can possibly extract from these engines makes a difference. And they've only used four a season. It's 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 far too little for me. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't have an answer to your question. I don't have an answer. Uh, no, it never really got answered <laughs> with um, but by, by F1 Jordan for me. The answer he gave about why they used an old old spec engine was that they didn't want to pollute the court, the pool with. Uh, a new old spec engine so that Rosberg had the chance to use the new spec to yeah. to have two new spec engines for the rest of the season. And I, I, I can understand that. In the end, it probably makes you go, yeah, it's a little bit of pain for Monza for maybe a better gain across the other tracks yeah. compared to his teammate. Because if he had, had to use an engine for five, say on average four or five races, if he puts a brand new old one in, say that over the course of the season, you'd rather use two of the old ones and two of the new ones rather than three of the old ones and one of the new ones. Yeah. I get to see that. So I see the logic there. Yeah, uh, it just seems it seems kind of surprising, really, that um, you know that they just used an old one and, and really handicapped him, knowing it would handicap him that much, really. I guess, and and ultimately cost him his uh, any chance. Cost him anything at the end, didn't it? Yeah, at the, end of the race. Um, so Lewis, really, though, kind of two races in a row, really. He absolutely stole the show imperious driving just didn't look touchable yep. all weekend um paul fastest lap race winner trifecta yeah yep. the mysterious f1 grand slam uh, which surprises me how often that doesn't appear to have necessarily been done other than when sebastian vettel was <laughs> annoying <laughs> doing his engineer doing, it, doing it, it at the end of the races um I don't really know what else to say about that. It was a great race for Lewis. It was a terrible race for Nico. He he didn't qualify well, um, and he'd managed to race it up until second, but had to race it hard to get there. Uh, and then his engine blew up, which ultimately was probably partly into the fact that he was just so down on power compared to where he should have been. Yeah, assumably because he was down on power, he was cranking. He was the cranking the wickers up as as you know as high as possible on the old engine just to get into second to try and minimise the, the the loss of points to Lewis in the World Championship. And in the end, he's ended up with nothing. So it was all in vain. You know, if yeah. he'd come, if, even if he'd come home third, you know, he's not he's missed out on second, but if he, as long as he gets the car home in third, he's all right. He still will only lose his however many points to Lewis as it is, it's 25. Uh, just not a great weekend at all for him, really, was it? Like you no. said... There's not a lot more. He'll not be. He'll certainly not be looking back on it in particular. For me, it's not much to. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> what it made me think? It made me think of a Mark Webber weekend. Yeah, Mark, Mark Webber had weekends like that where he would just turn up at the circuit and then just the whole thing would just be a washout from start to finish. F- Felipe Massa and the Ferrari as yep, well. Yeah, this is true. Just, just nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and and Kimi Raikkonen to some extent last season yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the curse of the number two driver, isn't it? It does yeah. seem to be a bit a bit that way once you're behind you're always behind but, yeah because uh, the whoever's in first it's a bit like how whoever's in first on the track gets to dictate the strategy so the guy in second's got no chance to get it on even terms because everything goes in goes in favor of the first guy it's, and it, you know 
I mean, you can understand it. It's not it's the way it is, but sucks to be sucks to be Nico, basically. Yeah. Um, Vettel finished in second to, to give Ferrari something. Um, yep. Yeah. Never going to beat Lewis. Best of the rest. Uh, obviously, in Monza, they're going to want to win the race, but under the circumstances, I think they'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah. Um, Master Bottas and the two Williams um, coming in next. So a very good race for them after um, it was a very poor race. Um, very odd few months for Williams. I remember discussing this on one of the previous shows where they were mighty in Silverstone off the line, remember? Mm-hmm. Got right up there and we kind of criticised them for not taking the fight a bit more to Mercedes and kind of rolling over and letting them dictate the strategy and settling for for further down the field and then they went missing for they were missing in Belgium and uh, they were missing in Hungary mm-hmm. and now they and they were back in Monza so God knows why because if they're cooking Monza they should be quick in Spa yep more or less you know yes you would have assumed and um, it seems very strange that um, you have to to the two races that everybody pretty much goes ah these are the two races where engine counts for everything. Um, and then to be so vastly different. Um, yeah, it's very strange that there were such polar uh, sort of times and in in pace in the car. Just can't, I don't know what's going on at Williams, to be honest. No idea. No, very strange. Uh, like, could we can Massa get Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's saying he was a bit too old for having to race uh, Bottas just for the to maintain his position at the end. That's right, Bottas uh, was all over him like a rash. I think he only finished was it less than a second behind him by uh, the end, about so. three tenths, I think it yeah. was by the end of it. Um there you go. Uh Kimi Raikkonen in fifth. Did he have problems coming into the end? Because he was I think he was up, wasn't he? And then dropped back dropped back some, I can't remember. Such a long time ago. I thought he he was near the end and then he said, Oh I've I'd lost no, some no, power. He's, he's, he stalled it on the grid is what happened. Oh, yes! <laughs> because he qualified it ahead of Seb for, I think, like the, one of the very few times all season. Oh. Uh, and everybody's going, Kimi Raikkonen, Monza. It's Ital- a return Italy. to form. <laughs> and then he bloody stalls it on the grid, yeah. Uh, just disaster. Uh, so, in the end, I think it was a pretty solid drive to get it back into fifth. Uh I don't I don't remember an awful lot other than other than that, but yeah, he finished twenty seconds behind behind Bottas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what else happened in his race to be honest. It was a few weeks ago now. Um both Force Indies sixth and seventh, um probably their best weekend of the season. Um which I guess they needed after uh Grosjean's um efforts. Uh, in the race previous, um, getting on the podium, um, Sergio Perez in front of Nico Hulkenberg. What's going on with Nico Hulkenberg at the moment? Um, he seems to have been very inconsistent um, in the latter half of this season. He seemed brilliant at the start, was easily beating Perez and looking every inch the superstar that we we know he is. But in the last few races, Perez has definitely been on top both in qualifying and uh, in the race. So I don't, I don't think there's particularly much between them as two drivers. So it doesn't surprise me that some sometimes Perez is going to be 
ahead. Sometimes Nico's going to be ahead. I, I, I rate both of them fairly, fairly highly, and I think I just think that's it's to be expected that sometimes one will come out on top of the other. Uh, I, can't, I, I can't point to anything in particular with, with Hulkenberg <laughs> that's, that's, that's putting a reason for it. Well, it, it. I think it was interesting that obviously uh, Nico had been has signed his, his contract for next year before Perez. So you, you kind of have thought that with that all sorted, he'd... Um, be back on form? Yeah, think? that he would be more chilled and more settled in his drive, but it doesn't seem to have been the case. Uh, Still finished seventh. I mean, <laughs> that's about where the Force India has been finishing, yeah. so I, I guess so, it's yeah. I, I guess it's fine. There's no there's no problem with it. I, um, it's just that when you're not charging for the title, I guess all you can do is challenge your teammate, and he's really not at the moment in the in the way that we we saw him doing before. So it was just interesting to see if whether you you thought you had any insight into why. That I, might have been happening to him. I, I, say, I, th- I think I think both drivers are about equal capability, so sometimes one's going to beat the other. Uh, Perez obviously got coming out of the McLaren, going back to Force India, got got quite a lot of a hard a hard time, but I, I still think he's a he's a a very good oh yeah very good Formula One driver, and uh, I, I, I see no reason why I sh- I wouldn't expect Hulkenberg to beat him week in week out necessarily. So okay. Uh, Danny Rick in eighth place. Um, I mean, it, it's Monza and it's a Red Bull. Uh, yeah, so with a Renault engine. Know. It was. <laughs> it was not destined to be their best weekend, um, anyway. Um, but must be fairly disappointing for um, all of them to be having to f- be fighting with the Salvas and the Toro Rossos, really. Um, but maybe that's all they could have reasonably expected. Um, both the Toro Rosso and. Um, the Salva are not going to be as aerodynamically well, uh, sort of well apportioned as the the Rebel. The Rebel is always going to probably benefit from um, the amount of money he gets thrown it compared to the Toro Rosso and obviously the Salva. Um, so maybe maybe in this case it's just the case that the car really not suited to it, and the other ones because they're not so highly aero developed, just a bit slippier. Um, yep, I mean Force India's got the. The Mercedes engine in the back of it, so you're kind of expecting them to beat Red Bull here. Probably about the best they could have hoped for. Best of a bad job, you know. Get, get in, get out, move on to the following week, which would be Singapore, mm-hmm. which is obviously going to be a better track for yes. for a Red Bull. Uh, yeah, take take the medicine, take the punishment, and uh, and move on. The only disappointing thing I think will be. Danny Kvyat down in tenth. He was beaten by Marcus Ericsson. Mm. Uh, you'd you'd be expecting to beat the Sauber even with uh, the disappointing engine. Uh, I suppose Kvyat qualified down in eighteenth. So yes, well, um, I think he. Uh, and at the end of the day, I suppose a point is not a bad result. At no, the start he, of the he, race, start he, the race if he'd probably take a point <laughs> if given to him from there. But I, I must admit, I do remember looking him through the race and wondering if he would make it back to the points uh, at, at any point. So, um, I guess yeah, sa- salvaging something. Um, Sauber obviously must have felt very, you know, buoyed with a, a ninth and eleventh place. I know the eleventh place doesn't get him any points, but um, uh, not eleventh. Sorry, um, it was thirteenth Filipino. So yeah, so. sorry, I uh, got my. Um, Got my my Nazis and my Carlos Sainz Juniors <laughs> confused. Apologies. Um, uh, yeah, so they must have been very happy with the ninth. Um, certainly, Ericsson's 
um yeah that's what you'd have to say best race wouldn't it yeah you know beating beating nasa who has looked his much superior all season really uh so that's a a good result for for marcus Don't, don't know if it'll be enough to save his seat next season not really sure how much funding he brings in, things like that. If he's got enough money in his pocket, then he might just well get his seat, even though he probably doesn't deserve it. But uh, certainly that was his best drive that I can remember off the top of my head. So, uh, so yeah, Carlos Sainz Jr. Uh, finished ahead of Max Stappen. Um, you know, a- another thing missed by uh, all the commentators who like to uh, point out when Max Verstappen does something amazing. Um don't seem to be generally giving Carlos Sainz Jr. the the credit I think he deserves. Um, I think he's been more consistent than Max has. Max has been very up and down. When he's good, he's very good. And when he's bad, he's horrid, as the rhyme used to go. Um, although, I uh, must admit, Martin Brundle was very complimentary about him uh, this weekend on on the Sky commentary. Uh, so maybe it's maybe it's not being noticed. It's just that uh, as the media is wont to do, the seventeen-year-old is probably going to get more more column inches than the twenty-year-old, uh, despite the fact that um, you know two seasons ago, if a twenty-year-old had been doing as well as Carlos Sainz Jr. had, they'd probably be be raving about that he'd be in the Red Bull next season. So yeah, there you go. Um, Interesting. Both the Torosos, Toros, eleventh and twelfth, uh, both had to serve penalties during the race. Uh, oh yes. So, so you go on about the 17-year-old and the 20-year-old and they're doing brilliant, but they're still, you know, still Carlos Sainz's was for giving the advantage, going off the track, things like that. So there's still a little bit of greenness, a little bit of rawness in there. Uh, not, not, not. <laughs> Experienced guys do those kind of mistakes as well, I suppose. But uh, as good as they are doing, they, they have also had a few misdemeanors. Yes. Uh, which is to be expected. Uh, just but interestingly, eleventh and twelfth, having both served a penalty, had they not picked up those penalties, possibly points. Well, you'd uh, assume. So you'd assume twenty seconds at least down the down the track, wouldn't you? So, um, it's difficult. I don't have the uh, the actual finished times because it just says lapped on my screen. But um, yeah, yeah, it so could have been could have been very different. Um, could have been different. I think science once he served his penalty he was looking pretty dangerous when he came back out so might have without serving a penalty probably would have ebbs and butts you you'd know. have thought he'd have probably troubled Could've, Kvyat in 10th wouldn't you yeah and probably Ericsson in 9th so um, Felipe Neza in the Sauber in 13th um, he's been a bit inconsistent again in the last few races um, Tr- trouble for judging these guys is, is he being inconsistent or is the car being inconsistent yeah. the Sauber's obviously had as little development as you could, you know, you could get away with and yes. still be. It is the Australian it. spec car, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's not beat about the bush. It's not. Uh, it's not any different, really, than than where they started. Um, and unfortunately, the whole of the field, pretty much bar the Manners and probably the McLarens, uh, depending on what track they're at, um, are the only cars that are anywhere, you know, on their set, on that same kind of development path. So. Um, it is difficult to judge, and it's kind of why I feel for for these young drivers who come in and get a seat like a team like Sauber or um, or Toro Rosso or even even somewhere like Lotus. Um, how are you supposed to prove to the world that you're the next biggest thing in F1 if um, you're good one week and then you can have two or three bad weeks just because the car is so woefully inconsistent? It just makes the drivers look uh, inconsistent as well. So yeah, um, 
I, I'm still been very impressed by Naz, and I think yep. at the end of it, I will still I be agree. more impressed with him than Ericsson. So for sure, for sure. Whatever Naz Sauber are... make of that, I get. Well, we know what Sauber make of. They've signed him up for next year. So Naz is quite fortunate in that he does have a bit of talent, and he also has a bit of money. <laughs> yes, it never he's got best never of hurts. both worlds. He has just <laughs> enough talent and just enough money, and when you combine the two of those little things, he's kind of the ideal person for Sauber. You're quite good, and you've got a bit of money. Perfect. We'll come this way, you know. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, you got some people. You got your Maldonados who have just got money, and then you got your Paul Restas and th- etc. Who have got the talent that miss out. Mm. Naza's just got the right blend of both. So. <laughs> oh dear. Fourteenth um, JB. <laughs> yeah. Well. That, that, to be fair, that McLaren was always going to struggle at Hot Monza, wasn't uh, it? I mean, how much horsepower is it down? A hundred horsepower, two hundred horsepower? It's something ridiculous. They were comparatively so. They compared it and they they said it, you know in the corners of uh, it might have been either Belgium or Monza. I can't remember which race it was. They were saying there was something like point two seconds down on like the Mercedes or something like that through the corners or the Ferraris through the corners or something like that. The teams the teams up that end of the grid, but then they were losing like a second and a half on each straight and it was just like well okay well i, I think we can see you know mr uh Araya honda saying uh it's not just the engine the car's bad as well well i don't really buy that anymore uh, it's you know and coming out of the press and saying stupid things like oh actually we've got more horsepower than the renault it's like no you haven't don't be trouble, don't trouble be so stupid trouble, trouble is now they're gonna. By the time the engine catches up, and that's if it even catches up next, this time, like in uh, sorry, in twenty sixteen, if they can get that engine to catch up over the winter, which is a big if, they're gonna have to then redesign another car. So they've completely missed out on it. Perhaps this car that they've got this year could have been great, but they completely missed out on it. And the one that they designed for twenty sixteen might not be as good in the corners and stuff comparatively to the to Mercedes and the and the Ferrari. So. It's just a... I think uh, it's difficult. I, I get the feeling that what McLaren will probably do is stick with this car, this design, this you know size zero packaging and all the other bits and pieces um, and wait for the engine to catch up before um, they do anything like go, you know, this this experiment in aero has been a failure. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, let's go back to the drawing board and start again, which, you know, uh, McLaren are capable of doing, certainly. You know they've done it before. They you know gone one gone one way and then decided that um, you know it wasn't working and they wanted to go somewhere else. So it's possible, but I I, I suspect they will give this car, Prodmaru and um, all the new era guys in a couple of seasons to design the car that they want to design um, before you know grading whether it's a good car or not. Um, but you know on so this things sh- can only get better. Right? Well. <laughs> No, no, they can't, can they? Really, if we <laughs> if we look at the next race, things can can indefinitely get worse than just a fourteenth place for one car. Uh, but it was a it was a sorry showing. Fernando showed a couple of times in the race him battling Sauber's when he happened to come out on you know be slightly better off in the tire war, but he was then um, you know overtaken a lap later by you know somebody herring along a straight faster than he could. <laughs> So it was um, it was in, at a very depressing weekend to you know be pro McLaren really and, and watching that happen. Um, rounding everything off were our two uh, two guys in the manners. Will Stevens uh, finished ahead of Roberta Mary for what turned out to be the last time this season. Um, 
Interestingly, you know, the amount of times we when we run through the final classifications for a Grand Prix, quite often the manners, both of them are finished. We get to the end and we finish with both the manners in fifteenth or sixteenth or seventeenth and eighteenth, whatever it is. For obviously they've got absolutely no pace whatsoever. But at least they're making they've built a reliable car that generally sees Grand Prix out, which is you know for the budget they're on, I'm giving them props for that. Well, yeah, I, I think you have quite to, often. But... Quite often they make it to the end more often than a, a Lotus or a, or a McLaren. So, so I think the thing yeah. with that is um, what they have to work with and the amount of money. If you think about the amount of money that um, Mercedes would throw at um, a brake duct uh, to see if they can make it a tenth of a second quicker, you know, yeah, altering this project. of the entire budget for manners. Exactly. Season. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so what you build is a car as good as you can make it. And that probably means that the parts aren't taken to the extremes that a top team does, you know, with yeah. the, how the Mercedes yeah, get it right on the that. edge yeah. because they can afford to test and manage the car and do all those bits and pieces. Whereas you know, bless, bless the manor team. I think they're doing a sterling job given um, the massive mountain in front of them. Um, you know, they they have to build something that that lasts that and lasts. get them to the end yeah. because yeah. that's actually just as important as as trying to make it go faster. Because at least at least if it's always running, you've got data and you can try and add bits to try and see if it goes faster bit by bit. Where whereas you know a big team can strap on <laughs> a new front wing, a new rear wing, new side pods, new brake ducts, new suspension and stuff like just to see if it will work in free practice and if it doesn't then they go back to the old spec well the manor is all old spec there is no new spec <laughs> to go to so um, it, it is what it is and um, you know they did it last season and I guess what that showed them probably was that actually um, it's just as well to be finishing every single race than it is to uh, shoot for the moon and you know yep. fin- finish 50% of them at least that way your sponsors are getting a bit of time there's uh... a chance isn't there you know, you see the sponsors of the manners as much as you see anybody else because they're always getting lapped. So yes, you know, and you know, it doesn't take much for you know a surprise. You know, you've been running in the place you are. You happen to be able to get into the pits ahead of everybody else to change to to wet tires or dry tires. You know, ninety percent of a lap ahead of everybody else. Suddenly, that rockets you up from fourteenth place to third place because you know everybody's having to wait and shuffle in the pits and all the other bits and pieces so it's worthwhile just being there because there's there's you can't hope for scrappy points if you're going out of the races as much as the front end so yep no i completely agree it makes sense uh retirement nico yeah covered. kaboom um, we don't see a kaboom in the mercedes all that often but um nope. it really went on that one didn't it it was it was just one of those weekends from hell for rosberg and it was almost a net i mean what was it last wasn't long from the end when he when it when it went it was just three laps or so was it yeah or something? one of the, it was almost like inevitable you seen it coming it was, yeah it, yes you did it was it everything it, it, that could go wrong did go wrong and ultimately ended with the worst kind of wrong so yeah uh, Fernando Alonso retired uh, only a few laps before that. Um, I can't remember whether that, w- whether that was engine or not. Um, probably, I think. I guess <laughs> that's probably a fair guess. Um, the poor Lotus guys. <laughs> uh, all the effort that they got to get there, all the money problems that that team's going through. Yep. Will they um, make Monza? Oh yes, yes we will. Not for very long, but we will make it. 
one lap in. <laughs> and they're both out. Poor guys. Maldonado and Grosjean. Between them, they, I think they lasted one lap. So, I feel bad for them. I do. I, li- I like the Lotus guys. Yeah. At the start of the season, I was kind of like, oh, they deserve everything they get for hiring Maldonado. But now I'm like, ah, I feel bad for them. Got their best interests. I hope they do well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so overall thoughts, really. Um, I guess more of the same. Is that a fair comment? It's. It was a race that was just like most of the races that went before it, really, with um, the Mercedes yeah. only tripping up over themselves as the only way that they don't finish one too. Yep. Now, if you said that Rosberg wasn't going to finish, then it, it'd be pretty easy to predict that Hamilton would finish ahead of it or would finish ahead of Massa as the yep. top three. You, you wouldn't be uh, called a lunatic for, for thinking that would be it. So, yeah, uh, it wasn't the greatest Monza Grand Prix that we've ever had. Um, but Singapore was good. <laughs> I enjoyed that. So. Well, it was at least different. Well, silver, like- all clouds, silver linings and all that kind of thing. You're listening to the Last Lap Podcast, the home of F1 Banter. So let's take a look at uh, Singapore then, really. Um, it seemed, I mean, in free practice one, it didn't seem like there was going to be any change to the script. Um, the Mercedes still seemed fast, although the Ferraris and the Rebels were showing a surprising amount of pace. And I have to say that, you know, on... Um, Friday evening, I, I was on Facebook talking to some other uh, F1 fans in a, in a group on there, and um, I was saying, "Well, look, you know, the Mercedes do odd practices. Don't you know? Don't be surprised if they could turn up at uh, you know free practice three uh, under ahead, or they finish free practice three ahead, but by the time they go qualifying, they're right on it." Um, and I was kind of pleasantly p- proved wrong. Um, they seem to almost dial themselves out of the car. I guess it seemed more like they were they were up there in free practice one, and then come qualifying, suddenly they'd um, drop behind the Ferraris and the Red Bulls. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was absolutely sure. I just couldn't understand it. I was I never seen qualifying, uh, and I just flicked on my phone to to check the results, and I seen all I seen on Twitter was I didn't even see the the classification for qualifying. All I seen was this man's on pole and it was a picture of Seb doing the finger and I was yeah. like what I could I was like what what that can't be right so obviously I went and further investigated and I seen the results and I was like what has gone on here so yeah just I don't think they even know like Lewis said that after qualifying he was like we couldn't we couldn't really explain the lack of pace couldn't turn the tires on but even when they can't turn the tires on to, into their optimum temperature, they usually uh, still they should still have enough pace in that car to 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 get get it up there. You know, they usually even when the Mercedes isn't at its best, it's usually still half a second quicker than anything else. It was so strange. Yeah, um, there's been no real explanation of it, and um, I think even Fernando, Fernando Alonso said in the press afterwards that uh, he thinks it will remain a mystery. Which is not unsurprising. You, I suppose Mercedes don't really want to let on why the car was so bad, if they know. Um, a lot of speculation that... Um, we didn't mention this really about the end of Monza. Um, about the new regulation regarding tyre pressures. 
Of uh, course, yeah. Which came in following the fact that after the race, uh, Lewis Hamilton was found to have 0.3% PSI under what it should have been uh, in his tyres. Um, however, they... I, would, I hesitate to say got away with it because I don't think they got away with it um, any more than any other team, I suspect. Um, but they managed to... They, they proved that they adhered to all of Pirelli's testing methods at the start of the, the race and passed all of those tests. So on that basis, um, if it was down at the end of the race, it wasn't down to what they'd done. So... Phew, excuse that sneeze. I'm not jumping out a window. No, so you say that's, that was me last week. <laughs> um, so the new testing procedures have been put in place, more stringent ones. So uh, I think the teams are being less flagrant about running their cars close to or just under the PSI uh, or trying to, if they can, possibly. Um, some people wondered whether that had upset the balance of the Mercedes to uh, some extent. Um, perhaps it's not running as low as it was or uh, doing something else in the corners that's slowing it down, um, which certainly ex- would certainly explain why on this track of all tracks they'd suddenly dropped so far if they were losing time in the corners that they previously had. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to what to think really about reasoning. Uh, I guess we'll have to see this race. As in Suzuka? Yes. Yeah. To see, um, if it's a, see if it's a one-off or if it's something that might be an ongoing thing. It's difficult because it's not exactly like Suzuka in Singapore are similar tracks. Um, so Mercedes could bump, come back, but the core issue might not be solved. It's difficult to know. Um, True. But, well, for whatever reason... Um, we got a turn up anyway. We got for the a, books. a big turn up because um, it wasn't just a case that there was somebody on pole and then it was the two Mercedes. It was, you know. Uh, yeah, that's right. That was the most interesting thing. It was Vettel on pole, which, you know, if the Mercedes have an off day, he's certainly going to be the man that can capitalise. But it was Vettel on pole and then it was a Red Bull and Ricardo in second and then Kimi in third and then the second Red Bull in Fiat in fourth on the grid. So that's four cars. And two contrasting cars, you know, Ferrari versus and a Renault engine, two different engines out-qualified the Mercedes engine. When was the last time a Mercedes engine was highest on the grid as fifth? That's very long time. That's a very long time ago. Yeah. So probably 20 before the, before the engine change, whatever the engine change was, 2013. Certainly. Uh, uh, and even then, you've got so. to think, you know, that was at a time when there was still the Mercedes team and the McLaren team running the red. The, That's the, true, of course. McLaren has been so it's, <laughs> you know, fifth is certainly capable for both of those teams. So it's uh, a very long time since you've seen them look that um, that off pace. And it, and it seemed to be fairly consistent, didn't it? Because they were fairly followed by all of the other Mercedes teams. So um, It was it was fairly clear that it, it wasn't net, it wasn't just an engine because the other Mercedes teams ended up probably where they should be uh, to some extent uh, maybe the Williams mm-hmm. not not quite so much but um, it, it certainly didn't seem like the Mercedes engine wasn't suited to Singapore um, it was definitely the works team suffering for this mysterious reason. Yep. Um, what that led to, ironically, 
In any other season, we we would have called a, a, another boring Sebastian Vettel race, really. Um, it, uh, uh, exactly. If this was 2012, I'd have been doing my <laughs> nut. I would have been throwing things. I'd have been fuming. As it was, I was sitting there with a gleeful smile on my face <laughs> for about 90 minutes. I was going to say, it's longer than 90 minutes. It's two hours. This girl it was. Goes. Don't understand why it's so long, Singapore. Like, why don't they just have less laps? I just, I can't, it does seem a bit odd, doesn't it? I can't fathom it. Like, like it's Spa. They only have, like, 44 laps or something because it's a two-minute lap. Why Why has Singapore got 60? I don't understand. Do you think there's something in the weird contract that Bernie has on going with these these rich countries that pay them to host races? Oh, we want we want a two-hour race. We want value for our £50 million pounds that we're putting in your pocket, Bernie. Well, like, the weirdest <laughs> thing, isn't it, is that the, the total race time is not supposed to exceed two hours. Yet but from, it did. It but it did, did. By, by about a minute and a half, <laughs> by an, an extra lap. I, th- yeah, I think they just looked at it and just well, just saw that you know. <laughs> Brundle did explain it that it, it, when it when the two hour thing expires, they get to finish their their the lap that they're on. That and that that then becomes the the last so the, lap of the, the race. The, the, the vet'll get across the line. So basically, like a, he a managed to. <laughs> yes, it was basically he crossed the line with like three or four seconds to go before the you know the two minute inning. So he got to finish the last lap of the race. Um, it was madness. It's very madness. funny. Very funny that, that little things like that can can make the difference. Um, it yeah. was a typical Vettel performance, though, wasn't it? He's the king of driving away from the front, isn't he? And just mastering the race, doing the strategies he needs to control and everything. That's what he did every single time in the Red Bull. And, you know, Ricardo's chasing him down and a few of the guys uh, and, the, and the pundits and stuff all mentioned it. The Red Bull team chasing him down would know better than anybody how difficult it was going to be to to out-strategy out him up front and stuff. And... He controlled the race, he had the safety cars, which brought him back into play, and he still managed to stay up uh, ahead, no problem. Uh, the interesting thing... Never that really I... looked like uh, anything else. And never really looked like a, 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 that Ricardo could ever truly challenge him. No, no, I agree. The, the interesting thing to me was um, that actually he had to do two different strategies in the race. At the start of the race, he zoomed off and created this big gap uh, a la his Red Bull days. Uh, which is something obviously he's practiced at and very good at. Um, but after the first safety car, I think, was it the second one? I can't remember. I think it was the first. Where is um, it when it, after the first safety car, he was much slower. Yes, and he looked after his tyres for ages whilst yeah. keeping ahead of Ricardo, and and I think that shows a supreme amount of skill. To to you know, it's, I think it is one thing to be fast, but it's another thing to be able to sit there. And keep somebody behind you, practically within the DRS range, uh, and not find yourself in trouble. Mm-hmm. Whilst looking after your tyres, you know, leading every lap of a race, looking after tyres with a, you know, a fast car that close behind you, um, shows some supreme skill. Um, and I think really, if anybody was doubting that, you know, Vettel can only win in the best car, well, I don't think. The Ferrari was the best car by very much this weekend. Otherwise, no, well, well, Ric- otherwise, Raikkonen finishes second, yeah. doesn't he? So yeah, Ricardo gave uh, 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 clearly outperformed Kimi. So, and uh, if it wasn't for a few little weird quicks of the safety car and stuff, Fiat probably would have been a lot further up than he was. Mm. Uh, he probably lost. He lost out really badly. The safety car. He got properly done. So, so you really you have to say on balance, saying. Uh, at this Singapore track, Red Bull and Ferrari, much of a muchness, really. Yeah. 
Not a lot in it. Probably, probably maybe uh, three or four tenths, maybe in favour of the Ferrari. But if that um, really, I'm if, not even sure if it was yeah, much as that. But quite uh, possibly. Maybe. If, if yeah, probably maybe about that. Yeah. But you know, so then you have to say, well, Vettel's done the job by getting pole and then controlled the race and won the race. So you have to say, all credit to Seb there for me. Uh, Ricardo's obviously quality driver, and on on this weekend. And I think he showed Vettel's it because got, got one over him. Vettel's, yeah, Vettel's, Vettel's done him there, and that's not taking anything away from Ricardo because Vettel's a four-time world champion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Vettel, Vettel's, Vettel's driving has won this race for me. Uh, yes, not but... the Ferrari. Whereas there, there are times where you could say whoever's in the Mercedes, the Mercedes has won the race, and <laughs> you know I could have won it in that Mercedes, <laughs> not not literally, but you get the point. Yes. Whereas I think Vettel has made the difference this weekend. Uh, absolutely, and, and I think it, it, ironically, it showed off. Ricardo very well because he mercilessly hunted him down Um, and I think um, it was kind of impressive how he stuck to his task in that because I think it could have been very easy to get get discouraged after that first you know five or ten laps where uh, he disappeared into the into the distance Um, but he didn't let that phase him. He, you know, he just allowed himself to catch back up and um, put in the laps when he needed to. Got the fastest lap of the race as well. So clearly, you know, he he did very well and, and drove very well. It's just some some days you're just never going to beat that guy in front of you. It's just one of those things. They they sometimes a, a driver is pretty much impeachable, and Vettel was definitely that this race. I think you're listening to the Last Lap Podcast. F1 for fans by fans. <laughs> the second safety car when the spectator was on the track. What was that all about? You know, uh, just going for a casual stroll down the side bizarre. of the highway. He, he crossed the track as well. I saw CCTV footage of him. He, he? he actually Did started he? off on the opposite side, oh, really? slid through one of the things, wandered over, walked down the side of the road, and then saw the cars coming and whipped out his phone to to take some pictures. Do you think? I think he was just a local who was taking a shortcut and didn't realise there was a motor race going on. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. I'd read somewhere that he was a, a British national, but um, really? I, I've only saw that once, so I'm, I must admit I've not followed up. I know he's been arrested and charged and and stuff, but um, I didn't really read too much into the articles. Cause... I, lo- I loved Seb on the radio. He was like, fan on the track, fan on the track. <laughs> it was brilliant. Well, I was a bit yeah. like, well... Look, mate, he's an idiot on the track. He's, he's not a fan. You've no idea if he's a fan. He might just be lost. <laughs> That's the thing with the street circuit. He might have just been looking for <laughs> the shot. Just like, maybe just out for a pint of milk. There's a Tesco's <laughs> over there. I need to get to it. What's this blooming Armco doing in the way? Sod it. I'm going over it. Mental. Uh, very, very strange. Uh, well, it brought the field back together. But like we say, you know, Vettel had the gap. Field came back together. Second safety car, field back together again. Still didn't um, didn't trouble him. Just managed to to keep the gap to Ricardo and and never looked him out. So very good for him. I would hasten to say Schumacher esque, and I don't say that lightly. Um, mm-hmm. Just yep. one of those races where you, you know you knew that there were races that that Michael just didn't ever look like you could shake him, even if you're all over his gearbox. There was just no. You know, and that's that's what I, I got from Vettel. It wouldn't have mattered if Ricardo had got within three or four tenths of him. He'd have just driven the race he was always going to drive and always finish first. Yeah, I completely agree. And and it showed the difference because Raikkonen was 
the best part of 20 seconds behind, 17 mm-hmm. seconds behind. So, I mean, if you've got the same car, Kimi Räikkönen isn't a bad driver by any stretch of the imagination, and he's finished 17 seconds behind. Tells its own story. 17 seconds behind with two safety cars that have bunched the field up. Yeah. Uh, I guess we should probably talk, if we're going to talk about Rosberg, we should talk about Lewis as well. Um, since realistically he was ahead of Rosberg until yeah, there were the two Mercedes just you know they were just fourth was it uh, before the safety car Fiat was, uh, was in fourth. fourth so the two Mercedes would have been were just sixth fifth, and running in fit, uh, or fifth and sixth sixth and seventh but just never looked like making up any ground which was like fair enough they had the bad qualifying I still even after the bad qualifying I still didn't it still seemed too good to be true I was like nah they'll, they'll come through the field like they they they're not they're not going to stay there they'll 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 they they might have had a poor poor quality pace but over a course of a race this since that Mercedes is too good you know we're saying all oh, this kind of thing at the start and then it just never happened uh they just stayed where they were and drove completely average lap times average races until Lewis's problem and he would have finished in an average position probably uh as it was uh, apparently a clamp failed somewhere uh t- totally. Killing the whole entire car, uh, pretty much, really. And, and Lewis, is that the Lewis, the Lewis one, yeah? Yes. He, uh, a clamp, what do you mean by a clamp? I think. It, it was a clamp. There was a clamp somewhere in the car. <laughs> is that... it a wheel clamp? Like... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that, well, that would have certainly explained the drop-off in pace. <laughs> I don't know what do you mean by clamp? <laughs> uh, just a little uh, a little clamp that holds some tubing in place, presumably, or, or clamp right. something in place to the inside of the car failed, um, thus causing everything else along... With it to fail, um, I'm not entirely sure why overheating or something like that, maybe. Uh, but oh. that's that's all it was. Um, so it wasn't like a full-on engine failure or a curse failure or a systems failure. Probably like a ten-dollar bracket <laughs> somewhere. It's come when loose. Was, I mean, when he was going round and still able to drive the car, but with just complete lack of pace, it, it did look like a, you know an airs failure to the naked eye. Like it looked just looked like he was lacking. 200 horsepower or something like that compared to everything else. But that's, uh, yeah, it's a new one on me, a clamp failure. Yeah, I, I thought, I, I was kind of, I thought Martin Brundle had it spot on when he said it thought it might be a pedal issue with the potentiometer. Um, in that, um, you know, Lewis thought he was pressing the, the pedal to the floor, but the potentiometer said, no, you're only getting it 75% of the way down. So, uh, you know, wasn't doing what uh, he expected it to do. But yeah, apparently a simple clamp failed. There you go, Ernie. Um, so that enabled Rosberg to gain a place, which was, I think, the only place he really gained <laughs> on track. Um, well, brilliant chance for Rosberg here. Lewis is out, you know, he's Rosberg's DNF'd in Monza. Great chance to take some more championship points back. And he'll be disappointed that he's only managed fourth, I think, especially with Lewis I think... uh, not finishing. I think somebody online mentioned that uh, Lewis Hamilton is lucky that this is the race that he had his DNF on mm-hmm. compared to Rosberg, who lost it at one of their best tracks. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Lewis lost it at one of their probably one of their worst tracks. Um, Funny how that it's like what we were saying earlier about when you're in first, things just go for you. You know, uh, that's that's the way it is. Uh, Rosberg seven seconds behind Raikkonen with. Uh, with the safety cars bunching the field up, not not particularly. It's not great. Wasn't it a great race? Doesn't make great reading at all. When the safety cars came in and and they had a chance to have a go, they just never looked like uh, like 
getting anywhere. It didn't really look no. like ever going to challenge Raikkonen. And I was massively surprised that when they were on the contra, contra strategy, Lewis seemed so optimistic that they could do something. And I was just thinking, it's not. You're going to sacrifice face. so much right now in the hope that you'll be faster later on. But you've already shown that you weren't as fast on those tyres in quali pace. And that's the kind of pace that the car's going to be doing near the end of the race when they're light on fuel and all the other bits and pieces. Like, you know, it, I could understand if, you know, you'd lost out by tenths of a second, but you were, you know, or like a tenth or one or two tenths. But they were massively off pace. So I don't understand how they really thought that they were suddenly going to show all this pace at the end of the race to take places back. But, well, I guess... I guess you've got to admire the guy for being that optimistic about his chances. Lewis uh, was great on the radio when Vettel was managing his tyres after the first safety car, and Lewis was yeah. like, he's definitely doing it on purpose. To try and, <laughs> he's, he's bunching them up. He's backing them up on purpose. It was brilliant. Uh, following on then in fifth was Valtteri Bottas for Williams. Um, a bit of a so-so race, really. I don't really remember a lot about Bottas's race, to be honest. No, uh, I think he, he had a moment at the start where he was challenging with the Mercedes. Um, but once the order settled down, um, that's where he stayed. Um, just sort of rolling around behind the Mercedes, but ahead of everybody else, you know, and he, he, he would have been, um, let's say if, if Lewis hadn't had his problems and uh, Fiat hadn't been screwed over by safety cars and pit stops, um, he'd probably be seventh. Really? Um, or sixth? Uh, no, seventh. He would probably have been seventh. Um, and I think that kind of says it all. Again, it's not the circuit you expect the Williams to be to be good at. And I guess finishing behind the Mercedes on a circuit that they've shown not to be very good at this season isn't a bad result. But it's kind of worrying, isn't it, that both Rebel and Ferrari can be quicker than them mm-hmm. so comprehensively. Uh, even if a lot of it is down to the type of track that they're on. It's having such a funny season, Williams. Well, they always seem to be around the fifth place, sometimes third, sometimes a bit lower, but and it's some, around about the fourth or fifth place. And sometimes it's just the Mercedes that are quicker than them. Sometimes it's the Ferrari, sometimes it's the Red Bull, but sometimes the Red Bulls are way back, mm. you know? Williams always just seem to stay about the same. Like sometimes the Red Bulls are like a second quicker than them, or sometimes the Red Bulls are a second behind them. <laughs> but Williams are always just there, like a lot of the time. You know, they're just like this should this in theory should be a nothing track for them, really, a Singapore. And in theory, uh, Monza should have been a good track for them. And they've, I mean, they were okay. So they were third and fourth in Monza. They're fifth here. There's not really much discrepancy in their their types of races. I don't know. I just, I just don't know where they're going. I'm, I just, I'm very confused by the Williams this season. Like, I, I worry for them in the long term. I, I can see Red Bull and Ferrari being quite quicker than them next season. I, I don't, I don't it, really it, see the, where the development. I don't think they'll be no. able to match the development of the other teams around them. And, and that's kind of what it feels like, doesn't it? Really, yeah. it's like they're benefiting on the tracks that they're good at, and then the tracks that they're not, they're not doing very well. But it's a consistent. It feels to me like there's a consistent drop off in how well they're doing um, throughout the season. They were much better at the start of the season than I think they were now, and that wasn't the case last season. They were good all season, so I don't know. I don't know whether it's that they've reached the zenith of what they could 
make big strides on in that car and now they're trying to catch the tenths and not doing it compared to the other teams who are speeding their cars up or not it's very strange um, I don't pretend to have an answer to that one, I'm afraid. No, it'll be interesting to see what they do come come 2016 because I fully, fully expect Ferrari, and depending on what power units in the back of the Red Bull, the Red Bull to be much closer to the Mercedes next season. I think I think I really like that'll be the third season of using these engines. You know, it's no excuses time. They should be right there with the Mercedes next season. So it'll be interesting to see what the Williams can do because they'll have the same engine as the Mercedes. So it's all on the all on the aero guys and all on the car design. And I'm just not sure they're going to have the clout that the the other the other boys around them will be. Yeah, uh, I think I agree with you there. I think that's that is the big worry, um, probably for a lot of teams really. But but Williams especially, they've got the most to lose. Um, well, compared to what they were doing a couple of seasons ago, it's still great success. So <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's all relative, I suppose, the way you look at it. It's better than when they had Pastor Maldonado in the car. So, that's so, so sixth was Fiat, and uh, he was the big loser in the safety car, really. Uh, twice, I think. Didn't he Didn't he lose that both times? In that he's, uh, well, well, definitely he, lost out with, before the Hulkenberg incident, because he pitted right, you know, right the lap before. So he pits under normal racing conditions, literally next lap. Crash happens, safety car comes out, everybody else pits. And, and he's yeah, still going around left, under the virtual safety there, car. Just left there looking like a spanner, yeah. So. Um, I, I thought his second stop was, was poor as well. Um, I thought that's... Um, that's what well, I thought. I didn't I didn't think he lost all of the... He did, I didn't think he went from fourth to sixth in the first one. I could be wrong. Uh, I thought he had two, two bad ones. Um, I, I guess on that basis, um, he, he did well to keep in touch with... Uh, the Williams only only finished a second or so behind him, um, and uh, well ahead of Sergio Perez in seventh. So um, I guess it's one of those things. It wasn't really his fault. He probably actually got the best he could given what happened to him. Yep, yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, and and a, and a solid drive. He's turning like you know had his moments. Uh, he's still a young guy. Had his his, his his scary moments. Made some silly errors over these first couple of seasons. But uh, yeah, another so he's turning quite solid these days. I'm. I'm I'm quite I'm quite happy. Like, I like Fiat, and I'm quite quite impressed with what he's doing. Uh, Sergio Perez in seventh. Um... Has there ever been a Force India that didn't finish seventh? No, doesn't, it doesn't seem like it. Um... Interesting. They'll be happy with that. They'll well, I was just going to say, I, I think um, it's a surprise because again, you would the Force India is noted to be one of the less downforce reliant cars isn't it they they don't have a lot in that department they get by on being fast and fairly slippy um so interesting to see them maintain really where they were um at monza at singapore um you're, i mean you're right but if you actually if you look at it the finished ahead of the saubers which as we've touched on has no development the tarosos which had, and again, uh, some of the uh, the strangest races with Verstappen stalling and coming through the field. And I think Science had a, did Science have another penalty? Possibly? No, he he lost um, or, or he lost power for lost about power. half a lap, which yeah. he was doing so, very well, and I think he was ahead of Perez, and then dropped right back so, to like fourteenth, fifteenth. So, so they've had they've had a stupid race, both the Toro Rossos. The Sabers have no development. The McLarens haven't finished. Lewis hasn't finished. And then you've got the basket case Lotus team. So, yeah. like, yeah. I, I mean, suppose yeah. when you look at it like se- that. Seventh is where it should be. 
really the but first thing there do you think uh, that actually in this case they were quite lucky to get seven yeah i think all things being equal the torosses would have finished ahead of them yeah, yeah i think that's right i think that's right i mean it goes perez verstappen science seventh eighth ninth not a massive amount between no. the three of them and both of the toro rosses got royally buggered yeah. in the race yeah exactly well verstappen <laughs> managed verstappen was a lap down and finished eighth yes so, <laughs> you know, it tells you the kind of weird race that it was yeah so i think oh, oh, on pure pace i think the toro rosses definitely would have been ahead of first perez so he'll be, i think they'll be quite satisfied with seventh all that's finished ahead of them is the red bull mercedes and ferrari and williams so they're not they'll be satisfied with that you're listening to the last lap podcast Verstappen, what a drive. It <laughs> was a very impressive drive. Um, the weird thing is, is that there wasn't too much overtaking involved in it. It just seemed to be that whatever was going on, he benefited massively from the safety cars. They they all yeah. came at exactly the right time for him to be where he, where he was and what he needed to do. So, um, I mean, I guess that's that's the vagaries of F1. Sometimes it works for you and sometimes it doesn't. It's a bit like Jensen Button, isn't it, when he beat Vettel at Canada, wasn't it? Yeah. He, dead last. And without some of the other incidents yeah, yeah. in the race, there wasn't a way that he would have really gone from last to first. Um, it's Verstappen just the way it works to, out. He was able to just get his head down, put in some quick laps and clean air, and then when the safety car happened, it all unfolded. It just, uh, like, those clean laps, those quick laps and, and clean air have just got him some time back. Then he got to unlap himself. Yeah, like you say, it wasn't like it wasn't like he was overtaking people. He was just pumping in good times, and and it worked out. Uh, and he somehow managed to beat his teammates. Sainz will be livid that he's finished behind Verstappen, and Verstappen was a lap down. But like you say, he had his own trouble. So all things taken into account, I think Toro Rosso will be quite happy with eighth and ninth. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's a very Double, double point very, finish. Very you said that to them hard through the race. They bite, <laughs> they'd have paid you millions of yes. pounds for it. Yes, so. when Verstappen was a, a lap down and Sainz was in 14th, yeah, they'd have probably <laughs> gone, yeah, okay, yeah, 8th, 9th, you reckon, do you? All right, okay. <laughs> On this track, do you think? Yeah, right, okay. Um, so, yeah. Um, Salbert, 10th and 11th, way, way down. On the Toro Rosso. Yeah, miles behind them. Um, so just no pace, no nothing. Again, it goes back to what we're saying, doesn't it? The car has no development. They're not developing any aero significantly on it. Um, they're so... not putting in any investment, and they're hoping that by doing that, and they'll just occasionally sneak a point like they did here, and I'll be happy with that. That's it. There's no ambition, but. Their, I guess, ambition, their ambition is to stay afloat, I guess. Well, so. it is, and I suppose to some extent probably what they're hoping is that if they continue like this, they'll get the money that probably would have been, you know, uh, they're they they they're going to be boosted up by McLaren being out of the... Uh, behind mm-hmm. them. Um, True. So maybe they're relying on that jump up in prize money to pay for next season to some extent, I don't know. Um, it's very sad that a team has to, to live like that in formula one um but i still don't feel that sorry for them because of kind of what they did to their drivers do you know what i mean um, is limited do you think that's why there's no development because all the development budgets on guido van der Gaard's bank account well, it's that, entirely is that, possible is that where their r&d budget is um <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say, it's paying Guido van der Gaard to sit in a hot tub in the Bahamas somewhere <laughs> whilst he watches F1 with a glass of champagne in his hand and goes, oh, yes, okay. Nice to see you guys doing so well. 
<laughs> so at least, uh, and so that was Nazar and Ericsson ten points. Twelfth, at least Maldonado finished the race. That's he the did. only the only positive thing we could say for him. Uh, I have to say, his tangos with JB, JB on the radio was different class. Oh, uh, um, I should have known he's mental. That's, <laughs> that's one of my favourite radio calls ever. He just looked at it and just went. I don't know why I expected anything different. I don't know why I accelerated and expected there? him to accelerate as well. He's passed the man another. He's not going to do what I expect him to do. Drive around him. Remarkable. But he got it to the end. So uh, With a busted diffuser as well, so I guess you've got to give him credit for that. Um, That's the... Um, I mean, he's retired for worse, uh, for less things than that over the course of the season. Uh, and I don't think he had a penalty this weekend. Uh, I might be wrong, but I don't... No, think I don't think so, no. they The stewards enough. deemed that it was a racing incident, amazingly. <laughs> That's a victory in itself. <laughs> Becoming a mobile chicane in the middle of a of a racetrack probably should deserve a penalty, but there you go. That's uh, <laughs> Ours is not to reason why. Um, 13th, classified ahead of the... That's so sad. Even though he didn't make it to the end, was everybody's favourite Swiss Frenchman. Roman <laughs> oh bless bless him what was Grosjean's problem did he just did his I think the car just died didn't it yeah. I think um, right yeah. right at the end wasn't it it was two laps from the end bless and he, he wasn't he was he was somewhere alright wasn't he I thought he was battling somewhere ahead of well ahead of where Maldonado was on the track I didn't think he was back far it's not like he retired from 13th or anything like that I thought he was farther up so uh, you know uh we will talk about Sebastian Grosjean in the in the news, so I, I think we'll we'll leave that there and just say it's mm-hmm. amazing that a car can retire te- technically two laps from the end and still finish oh, ahead it's, it's, of, it's of two other cars. One of Formula One's lovely nuances that I like. But again, as we said in the last race, Manor and uh, have both their cars at the end uh, and a two-hour Grand Prix in those temperatures. So fair play. No. Uh, I guess we should talk about the the debuting. Manor driver, uh, Alexander Rossi. Yeah, my favourite thing about his debut was that his radio didn't work. So yes. when they were telling him to do the lap cars overtake, he was just sitting there cosily behind Vettel and like everybody's going, why is Rossi not overtaking? And they gave him like five minutes and we're like, why is he not overtaking? So they just went anyway. With they said, all right, it. fine. And, and do you then, know what? Then back to the end of the race that he had no radio. So he had no idea what was supposed to be going on. It was brilliant. And, and do you know what the funny thing was? Did it really affect the race? That the leaders had to go around back markers after a safety car. Uh, not really. No, <laughs> it kind of made a mockery of the whole thing about letting the cars unlap themselves, didn't it? Really. Um, and I've always wondered why the cars have to unlap themselves. I don't understand why they can't just drop back. Brando pis- makes that argument every time. I think. I think he hates the rule more than anybody I've come across. So. Yeah. It's just that it's one of two things, isn't it? You you either leave the cars where they are and say, "Well, deal with back markers, guys. It's your own." It's your own yeah, problem. You're, you're paid but, millions of pounds to be world champion Formula One driver, so you sh- can overtake a manor. Sh- yes, <laughs> of all the things that you can do, this is the one. Um, or you do, that's uh, so what you say. You say, you say that the cars will catch up to the safety car. Starting from the front, you work your way back, saying the next car behind, if that's Rossi, who was in second or third, he then drops back to whatever his position is, yeah? And yeah. then you keep on working down that, until everybody drops back into the right position. Do you know what I mean? I think the argument, obviously, is that you know it allows people to get back into the race 
of the like a Verstappen. But that's but that's stupid because that's oh, not what the sh- yeah, that's not what the safety car is for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> safety car is a- for safety. It's not to make the race more even. Yeah, although you know, if it was up to Bernie, he'd probably have sporadic safety cars halfway <laughs> through the races. Like yeah, that. it's random. <laughs> We'll just randomly stop the race and start it again. You know, Wait. Well, why don't we just why don't we just do the grid again on lap thirty? Wait, why not? Hey. How how tall was the guy who got onto the track? He wasn't how... he wasn't quite short, was he? And he, <laughs> he didn't have silvery hair and glasses, did he? <laughs> About 85, 90 maybe. I don't know, hundred six. <laughs> oh, I'd love to have seen Bernie try and get himself over the top of the armco though. That'd be quite funny in exactly. itself. How Bernie Eccleston? He must be about one hundred and twenty-six, I think, is the at the last count. 84. Wow. So, yeah, um, and not retired. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the next two drivers. Unlike all of the McLarens. <laughs> oh, oh, it'd be funny if it wasn't quite so tragic, really. Um, yeah. At least, at least it wasn't the engine, guys. It was the gearbox overheating. Hey! <laughs> Who makes the gearbox? Do Honda do the gearbox as well? Or is that no, the, no, it's a McLaren. Uh, I think the team's in their own. Uh, apparently they've already worked out what the problem was and have, have altered the cool, cooling for Suzuka anyway. So uh, hopefully that won't be a problem. But I, I guess it does say at least there seems to be some reliability in the engine at this stage, um, if not speed. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> Hamilton uh, obviously retired. Clamp. With a clamp. <laughs> uh, coach, I've got clamp. Clamp. Cramp? No, here's, clamp. Here's, here's the one incident that I really wanted to discuss then. Hmm. Uh, Massa, Hulkenberg, both retired as a result of the crash. Hulkenberg immediately, Massa trundled round. Uh, did, did he retire because of the crash, or did he end up having engine trouble as well? I can't right, It was remember. engine trouble. He seemed to, aye, he had the, the crash, and then he started going slow as well. Not well, he had what affected about four or five oh, cars course, for about five yeah. laps. The uh, the case yeah. of the mysterious neutral. That's right, because um, Crofty and that on the, on the commentary were getting a bit conspiracy theory regarding the underground uh, train line and stuff. So, yeah, of course, I'd forgotten about that. Uh, I don't know if there was anything in that or not. Uh, I'd love it to be. I think that would be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? That a passing train that goes underneath the track turns off off Formula One cars uh, (laughs) if they happen to be going over that bit of the track at that time. I think that's... uh, (laughs) There's something so kind of wonderfully stupid about that that it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Well, there was, I'm sure I remember a, a race somewhere where the team's radio kept on being interfered by some local yeah, ordinance. I'm pretty sure it was, was Singapore as well, was it not? I'm well, sure it, was... might, yeah, it might well have been, actually. Um, there was that... yeah, so, <laughs> so Massa has that, but by this point, his race is already gone because... Hockenberg's ploughed into the side of him as yes. he's going out the pit stops. So regardless of his engine trouble, his race was already pretty much over anyway. Well, the weirdest thing was that he, he had this problem with his gearbox, came into the pits, and then did a drive-through. So he penalised oh. himself. Yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> it was almost was like he just went, oh, it's going to happen, isn't it? They're going to blame me for this through. bloody thing. I'm just going <laughs> to drive through myself. Save them the bother. Uh, came out, did half a lap, and then went, no, it's really, no, this car's buggered. I'm coming in. Sod it. Voluntary um, drive-throughs. <laughs> it was very funny. I'd never seen that before. I've never seen a car come into the pits like it was about to retire, only to then just casually trundle through. I'd love it if he waved at his garage. He would go by, hi, guys. See you in a lap. <laughs> Uh, and Hulkenberg uh, has been given a three-place grid penalty for the incident. 
at uh, Suzuka. So Masters coming out of the pits, taking the normal pit line, doing nothing out of the ordinary, <laughs> and uh, meets Hulkenberg uh, at the scene of the first corner. Who's to blame then? The stewards have obviously decided that Hulkenberg's to blame. Uh, on balance, looking back at it, they were right. Yeah, um, I think so too. Hulkenberg so. I mean, had seen him coming out of the pits. Yeah. So he knows there's a good chance he's coming out of the pits at the same time. In which case, you are cautious and you leave enough room for a car coming out of the pits. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. don't try and the cut pit, the into pit. the end of the pit lane. I know it's the racing line, but common sense would tell you not to. Place. The pit exit is there every lap in the same place. You know where it is. If you see a car coming out of it, you avoid... like. Massa can only go there. He can't cross the white line. Nope. Massa can't go anywhere else. Uh, Hulkenberg has the rest of the racetrack to move over just a tiny bit. He might mean losing the place, but as it is, he's lost his whole race. Well, and the ironic thing is that I don't think he would have. I think if he'd have left a car's width, he'd have probably still got a better line and better acceleration than Massa. Perhaps, He yeah. just took the line. I, I, think, I don't think deliberately or anything like that. I think it's half absentmindedly. That's I think he really that, generally yeah. got to there and thought, oh, I'm going for this. Right, gone. Yeah, well, he looked in his and... mirrors and looked looked at what he could see in the pit lane and thought, I'm going for this regardless. Um, and just did it and hoped that it would come off and that Massa would back out. Well, you're an, you're an idiot if you think that Felipe Massa's going to back out of moves. He, it's not what Felipe Massa does, does it? It's, you yeah. know, um, of all the things that Felipe Massa does, it's not chicken out of putting his car in places where <laughs> maybe That's people true. thought it might not ought to be um, <laughs> <laughs> it was true i mean last year in canada he crashed with perez remember uh, a couple of years ago so it's not his first tangle he's no he has a tendency to, to go i'm well i'm taking this line let's see how this all works out <laughs> yeah in exactly. which case you've got to kind of be the, like, the bigger like man sort of weird you? formula one russian roulette you know so uh, yeah i agree with you uh on balance having looked at Three place girl penalty for Hulkenberg. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and that was that. Uh, yeah. Sebastian Vettel is now a similar margin behind uh, Hamilton than, than Rosberg is. I think I think Rosberg's about. I can't remember off the top of my head, but Lewis still looks pretty comfortable either way. And he in needs the another chance. DNF the next race to make yeah, it interesting. To make it right? interesting. However, if the Ferraris have the pace like they had in Singapore, and the Mercedes have the pace that they had in Singapore, and the Red Bulls this weekend, it does get a little bit interesting all of a sudden. Yeah, uh, it's a big if though. We'll find out this weekend, obviously. Um, if the Mercedes are back, you know, is it a one-off? Is it a blip? It's going to be certainly. I'll be keeping a watchful eye on it a little bit, maybe more than I previously would have. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm of the the same. Uh, I, the funny thing is, is that after and you know, it's a bugbear for me, uh, so I will repeat myself at the risk of alienating people. Um, we've been saying for ages that it's not that it's Mercedes winning all the time; it's that a team is winning all the time. Mm-hmm. That's what's boring. It it's not entertaining for a neutral or or anybody who isn't a fan of that particular team. Um, but the commentators, especially David Croft, um, call you all doom mongers if you say things like that. Formula One's yeah. fine and all these bits and pieces. And yet, Martin Brundle, this whole that whole race weekend was saying how refreshing it was yeah. to talk about Ferrari and Rebel being out front and not talking about the Mercedes. Have your cake 
and eat it is the phrase that comes to mind. It's one or the other, lads. I, I know like... you've got to be positive for the sport because why would you be negative about the thing that's paying your bills? But, you know, the fans aren't that stupid, guys. Do you know what I mean? I, I really like David Croft as a commentator. I like him when he literally commentates on the action that's happening. But I don't really like his opinions as a pundit. Uh, I, I think he's wrong about quite a lot of things. Uh, he's, he's a commentator who's a Formula One fan, whereas Martin Brundle's a Formula One man who's a commentator, you know? Yeah. And, and, that, and that's the difference for me. Uh, but I'd, I'd go... I'd, Go, go to bat for Brundle every single day of the week. I, I can live without Crofty. Uh, well, it, the interesting thing is is that you compare David Croft to Ted Kravitz, I think. And Ted Kravitz is another, you know, he's not an ex-driver or any of those bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah. But you can genuinely see from him the passion he has for the in-depth knowledge of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Crofty never seems to develop that kind of in-depth knowledge about it. Do you, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can see that, yeah. Ted totally. gets it wrong, don't get I've me got... wrong, but he he does it from the standpoint of like seeming to understand little nuances about Formula 1 going, yeah. Have I, I've thought about this, and could it be this? And then sometimes Brundle will turn around and go, no, it can't be that, it's going to be this. And then, <laughs> and then Ted goes, oh, okay, yeah. Martin, no worries. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, I totally get that. Like yeah, I, yeah, like I take a Ted Kravitz over a David Crofty yeah. every day of the week, and that's what. And I really like Crofty in the Murray Walker role of literally calling the action. Yes, but as an analyst, I can I can totally live without him. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. It's well, it's like watching Simon Lazenby try and form an opinion about Formula. Yeah, because they're not. They're <laughs> just. They're just. They're they're media graduates who happen yes. to work in Formula One. You know, and yes. even though Ted Kravitz comes from the same background, he's slightly different because you can tell that you know. He's went into media so that he could eventually work in Formula One. It does seem that way, doesn't whereas, it? It seems like there was the a job two, waiting yeah. for Ted Kravitz, just two, for Ted Kravitz. It's the other like, two feel like they've went into media and happened to stumble into Formula One as part of their career path. Yeah, so, uh, Simon Lazenby especially. You yeah, could, yeah. The, the guy just doesn't seem to ever, like, he never gives any kind of opinion that makes you think, you've really studied this sport in depth, haven't you? I, to be honest, I can't remember the last time I watched Simon Lazenby because I never watched the, the hour before the race i tend to tune in around brundle's grid walk watch the grid walk go and get a cup of tea or a i don't even drink tea go get a a biscuit or whatever come back as the lights are going out i don't really see any of lazenby so i I can't really judge him but i'll read ask crofty on twitter and i'll listen to his commentary and i've I've got my opinion on him uh and it's annoying because i really like him as a as a play-by-play guy uh, I I love Brundle, but I didn't like Brundle as a play-by-play guy because Brundle, Brundle is clearly the man for the, you know, the analyst on yes. the side. Uh, he's the color, isn't he? He's the color. Yeah, of course. That's the way. That's how I would describe it. Yeah, he's a color commentator, and that's what you want from Brundle. And I, and I like Crofty as a play-by-play guy, and they should just stay that way. You know, I don't need. It, 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 it almost borders on fanboyism when Crofty defends it so passionately it, it just it just it's cringeworthy to read and listen to sometimes. yes yeah that's that's kind of exactly my my feelings on it definitely like constructive criticism isn't a bad thing you know it no. doesn't you can't we're not like you said it's like we're not stupid as fans it's like oh it's all rosy it's all rosy honestly guys it's all rosy it's like well no come on the world doesn't work like that and formula one is no different to anything else 
Anyway, <laughs> God, we, we, we digress ever so slightly. A little bit, a tiny so bit. So Suzuka this weekend, uh, yeah, let's see what the Mercs can do. It's the big question, isn't it? I'll be keeping a very close eye on qualifying to see how they are in qualifying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it should be a very interesting weekend, uh, I think, um, all around. Um, Wouldn't mind a little bit of spot of rain just to spice it up, not unheard of in Suzuka. But. No, indeed, indeed. Um I think it'll be interesting to see if any of the other teams bring any upgrades or, or anything to to there as well. Um be interesting to see if anybody does step up, possibly. Um hmm. Well, I think that takes us nicely then to the Formula One news. The final lap podcast. And the biggest story, well, I think it's the biggest story. You can feel free to just disagree with me if you are not a uh, McLaren or Jensen Button fan. Um, big reports flying about that Jensen Button is about to retire. Um, I had even seen one report, stupid report, suggesting that Button was going to retire now. That was ridiculous. He wasn't going to retire mid-season. And be replaced by <laughs> Kevin Magnussen, who has a broken hand. Hmm. <laughs> yeah okay yeah of course That's... why would he retire mid-season Look, no he had such a poor time like he just went to Singapore ah, yeah. sorry, I am done with this McLaren <laughs> sod it I just, nah forget it oh, millions of pounds nah forget it never mind um, no no uh, it is the biggest story if he retires if he doesn't retire then it, well even if he signs a new deal or stays on for now it's probably still the biggest story if he retires it's definitely the biggest story uh, it's I'll I'll be gutted if he retires, and I'm not even a McLaren fan, and I'm not even that much of a JB fan, but like it's just you know he's one of the old school, isn't he? Like he's he's a, he's a guy from a different era. He's a guy that raced Schumacher. He's a guy that raced alongside Formula One when I love Formula One. Yeah. So he's a guy from the the Rubens Barrichello days. He's a guy that you know when Benetton was a team and things like that. That's when. That he, he that's when Jensen was you know coming on the scene. So to lose another one from that era, it'll be sad. I'll be gutted. Yeah, um, my personal feelings is I don't think he will, and I think actually he will sign on, and we'll see him again next year. Um, uh, I, I hope so. He, he deserves one more season in that McLaren to see if it's got anything to offer next year. Yeah. Like there was no point in him if he was if he was going to just do this season and then retire, then he might as well have just gone last season really because this yes. season's been a joke. So. Like yeah, yeah. I really hope he does one more year and see what the, like get, get see if the car's got anything. And if the car's an absolute stinker next year. Go okay, that's it. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm going to join Weber until uh, sports cars. But one more year, I think would be the would be the solution for me. It's up to Jensen, though, I guess at the end of the day. Indeed, uh, absolutely, and I and I think that probably is where it lies to some extent. Um, I think there's some financial stuff that needs to go on at McLaren as well. But um, I'm sure you know. Button's got to feel comfortable about whatever extension he agrees to. So, um, my my thoughts are is that if he hasn't come out and immediately said it, then he properly it swerved isn't. it, you know, today, yes. didn't he? he what well, he said there will be a, there will be an announcement, and then said you'll have to wait. And that to me says there's no definite thing, yeah. or, or that was a tactic to tell McLaren I'll walk away if you want to, you know, bugger me about over this. Then I'll go. Don't you know? Don't think I won't just because you think there's not a better drive for me. You know, I don't want to go to 
pass or manor or or wherever i'll go <laughs> i'll do i will go and join mark weber in a touring car somewhere or a, a, an endurance race uh interesting interesting did you see the quote about the le mans no somebody asked him about doing le mans and he said like, somebody asked him about doing it next season 2016 because hulkenberg did it this year someone went do you want to do le mans next year like hulkenberg did this year and he kind of not like unintentionally said oh I'm not sure about doing Formula One and Le Mans at the same time. That might be too difficult. So that everybody kind of went, oh, so does that mean you're staying kind of thing, reading, reading into it? And then that's when he went, oh, I'm, I'm not answering any questions about that. So there was a lot, Maybe of, the, a a hint. The, a lot of the... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like a, a, lot of the, a lot of the journals and that were like, oh, is, oh, is, this, is that a hint that Button's staying or whatever? So well, no, we won't know until they, until they make the announcement, but it was just a little bit, you know, fuel to the fire there for that, that quote about Le Mans. In in both semi um, tremendous and also terrifying news, uh, Pastor Maldonado has signed with uh, Lotus for next season, um, or possibly Renault for next season. At this rate, we don't really know. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether I'm really quite no, happy secretly, think, or whether I'm I, like, oh Jesus. I think I am. I think. I think. I think the longer it goes on, like the horse is bolted. We might as well keep him, keep him around forever now. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This guy has a Grand Prix victory. Do you know who doesn't have a Grand Prix victory? Nico Hulkenberg, Sergio <laughs> Perez, Valtteri Bottas. These men don't have Grand Prix victories. Do you know who does have a Grand Prix victory? Master Maldonado. <laughs> <laughs> the world the world is a cruel cruel world isn't it really at the end of the day f1 is a cruel mistress and uh none more so than the supposed success of uh pastor maldonado um interestingly i want to talk about another guy that doesn't have a grand prix victory i want to talk about roman grosjean and what he's up to well okay yes let's do it that way around then yes yeah, so, so grosjean has said he has two contracts for next year uh, one... are, both, are both of them at Sauber? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to tweet that. That's amazing. Uh, um, one obviously would be Lotus, uh, and the other apparently is the new Haas team, um, which would be interesting. What do, reckon, then? what do you think he should do? You're Roman Grosjean. You've you've been through more trouble than anybody else at Lotus. What do you reckon? Sticker twist. That really is a proper sticker twist hand. That it is, isn't it? Because it's a pure risk, you know. That's that's you've drawn fifteen at blackjack. Do you sticker twist? Got you, great, you, you go to Haas, it could be a complete disaster. We don't know what they're coming in with. You need to know whether Haas are a Ferrari B team or uh, a, a proper manor privateer thing, and the mm-hmm. chances of them going and developing the car are nil. Um, because remember when Glock Kovalainen, and they all went, they all thought the grass is greener. We're going to these new teams, and it was a disaster for everybody concerned. Yes. So and where's the where are those guys? They're not in Formula One anymore. So there you go. You know, it's a big jump. At least with Lotus, as crappy as the finances are, and as completely unsure about the future of that team is, that's a quick car. I got a podium two races ago. Car's quick. Car'll score points week in week out if it's reliable. Well, uh, the 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 background stuff the endstone team that's based around it um are a good team do you yeah. know what i mean they're they're still probably really in the core of it part of the 
Renault team. All really. they need is a touch of investment, a wee bit of money, you know. Which is why you can obviously understand why they've got in Maldonado. It makes sense, but you know, like you say, the the team is good. Yeah, the car the car is a good car. It's a major decision Roman's got to make, and I'm a big Roman fan, so I really I hope he gets it right, whatever way he chooses. I hope it works out for him. If it is a Ferrari B team in Haas, could be the right move. You know, might if he does well there, he might get a move up to Ferrari. Who knows? But like you say, it's a big, a big, big, uh, big risk, and uh, I don't know. Did, we, did he hint when he was going to make a decision? Uh, no, I haven't seen any reports about when he was going to announce anything. But it, it's interesting to note that he's got two options. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of all the drivers that you could possibly think about having offered seats to, really. Um, especially knowing that Sergio Perez hadn't signed for Force India, at, at, kind of at that point. Um, but apparently, uh, Sergio has said that Renault were an option for him but decided to stick with Force India. It's just kind of interesting. I I think we all know that realistically Lotus will become Renault. That seems to be done by the signing of all of the, you know, um legal stuff that they have to do to hand over power. Um Martin Brunner was saying that, you know, the previous race the Renault people had been, you know, fairly public and about and then at Singapore conspicuous by absence. Um so, yeah, I think... I wonder I wonder if Renault was an option for him. And because he's signed for Force India again, Renault have then stuck with Maldonado because Perez brings money. So they might have wanted Perez in with his money. He's stayed at Force India and then they've went, OK, then we'll just stick with Maldonado with his money. Could be... Oh, yeah, well, that would make sense. Um... Sure, well, if Renault was a serious option for Perez, then... You'd have to assume it would be in place of Maldonado because they'll probably try and keep Grosjean. In theory, and if Grosjean well, you'd goes, you'd hope that they would if they had some ambition, really. But you, yeah, it's difficult to know, isn't it? You you don't know sometimes whether they will do something silly like call Charles Peak, uh, not Charles <laughs> Peak, um, Arthur Peak, I think is the the GP two driver. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I keep a vague eye on the GP two. There is another Peak in GP two, but <laughs> right. it's not Charles Peak the useless catering driver um it's a different one um but presumably equally french um and whether they'd maybe try and promote him into the renault team as a french driver and trying to have at least one french driver in there but then again should you take grosjean for that since he's well he's french yeah he's... swiss french <laughs> so there's no problem yeah so french i think we'll call him is that I think I think Perez, I think if Renault was an option for Perez, if Perez is being honest there, then I think it would have been in place of Maldonado. And because he's signed for Force India, Renault have opted to stick with Maldonado. Or I wonder if it's this case that what Lotus have to do is make some decision because they're technically still in charge of the team and still have to pay bills. Um, and I wonder if Renault will come in and make other decisions. Whether yeah, they well, say, have a chance, yeah. That's true. They might just change it all about afterwards and say actually yeah. see you later pastor we've decided to sign these guys yep. yeah maybe what else is cooking about then well i guess the big story is uh red bull and engines um yeah the, the, that's been rumbling on for so mercedes now. mercedes turned around and said we're not supplying you with engines which is <laughs> entirely yeah. there right and i can see yeah. why they've done it yeah. rebel then said okay well we'll get ferrari and ferrari are a bit like well uh, I don't know. I think we'd quite like to, but we also don't want you beating us, so that puts us in a very difficult position. 
which is kind of obvious, really. Um, Rebel will have <laughs> spectacularly. They have not only burned the bridge, uh, but they have salted the ground around <laughs> the bridge, so nothing will ever grow there ever again. Um, so there's no going back there. They're not going to be in a Renault-powered car next season. They're not going to go to Honda. Um, <laughs> because there is such a thing as out the frying pan and into the fire. Um, because they're not. Uh, that would have to be a masochism at its finest. Absolutely, you know? wouldn't it? Um, so they are pining, put, putting all of their hopes on on Ferrari. Um, I wait until or, they will, or they will quit, which is interesting because does that mean Red Bull will quit, or does that mean Red Bull and Toro Rosso will quit? Because if Red Bull decide to take their toys and go home, presumably they'll do it for both teams. Um, although I don't know whether Re- um, Toro Rosso have burnt the same bridges as Red Bull, whether they, they'll just stick with Renault engines next season. I assume I haven't heard anything different. Um, so we're in that strange position where Red Bull might not get A-spec for our engines and might just say, well, Todd, it will go home, in which case we lose four cars. Um, not to be instantaneously replaced by anyone, I suspect. Um Unless, uh, I don't know, somebody comes in who has some want to work with with Renault, I guess. Um, You know, whether it be somebody like a Nissan or something like that could come in and build the Infinity brand that they've got going together as a team. Um, You know, Team Nissan Infinity or something like that, I don't know. Uh, It could be very bad for Formula One. I think worse than, say, Ferrari leaving all on their own. Um, I don't think the grid can afford to lose four cars. Um, no, no, it definitely can't. So I suspect Bernie Eccleston is somewhere in the... Then as it is a grid. Yeah. I think Bernie Eccleston is in the background desperately trying to make this deal happen one way or t'other. Um, but what it led me on to thinking is a different way of dealing with engines. Let me run this past you. I ran it through on the internet and... I got mixed response. Some people thought it was a good idea, but it was impractical. Some people thought it was a bad idea, and some people thought it was a really good idea. So um, hear me out on this. Okay. So engine manufacturers. If you are an engine manufacturer in Formula 1, whether you have a works team or whether you are just an engine manufacturer, any team can buy your engines, and you have no right of refusal. Right. So Mm -hmm. if Ferrari decided that they wanted to be powered by Mercedes engines, they could Mm -hmm. if they Mm -hmm. really wanted to. Mm Mm-hmm. At the start of each Grand Prix weekend, you bring the um, any or the first race of the season. You bring um, all the engines there for that that race weekend. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then each team randomly is allotted, or they randomly choose two engines from the pool. And those go into their car. And then they then they are their engines and they have to last however many races they need to last. But that means that Mercedes can't give themselves A-spec engines and Williams B-spec engines. Because they could equally end up with a B-spec engine. Mm-hmm. So what you then do is have a situation where probably quite a lot of teams would dump who they're with and go and try and buy Mercedes engines. Yeah. That will make Mercedes engines, you know the most expensive on the grid because Mercedes will price them very highly because they know that people want them, Mm -hmm. which will mean that then Ferrari, Renault and Honda engines will get much cheaper Mm -hmm. because 
nobody's going to pay a Mercedes price for a Ferrari engine. So they must be cheaper. That's If they want to sell them to somebody, they will have to sell them at a much lower price. Supply and demand. Yeah. Which is good news for the lower teams because they can choose to either spend, you know, £40 million pounds on mercedes engines or 20 million pounds on a ferrari engine or maybe even 10 million pounds on a renault engine <laughs> or, or 20 quid on a honda. <laughs> or 20 quid on a honda yeah <laughs> 20 quid and some chewing gum for a for a honda engine then the, they need a chewing <laughs> and they'll pay you to use their engines <laughs> yeah um well there you go isn't it could it not be that another team says you know actually we're so desperate for uh, our engines to be in something have them for free you know we understand you're a struggling team but at least by having the Honda engines in the manors for free, we get all the data back. Twi- we get twice as much data. You save all the money on the engines. It's a good deal all round. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not without possibility. So you set up a situation where it's actually possible for engine costs to go down, not up. Wow. Wouldn't that be spectacular? Um, the problem you've got, of course, is that Mercedes don't want to offer engines for everybody. No. that uh, yeah. And that's the stumbling block. They would have to be forced under regulation to do that. You know, they're never going to do that through choice because it's not in their work team's best nature, best interest. Sorry, but I uh, genuinely a lot of people's opinion was that uh, everybody would just have a Mercedes engine and then you'd lose all the other engine manufacturers. Ferrari would close up shop and go, which I don't think they would. You know, Renault would give up, Honda might give up, and and you know, and everybody would you'd end up with a single engine formula. Literally, everybody drives around in the same engine. But I don't think that's going to happen because as long as no, you've because... got smaller teams with smaller budgets and there is a cheaper option, there's a good chance that they'll go for that because it's easier to keep the team alive and slower than it is to bankrupt the team trying to go for the you know for engines that are not going to make up the difference in the deficiencies in the car. You put, sure. a, you put a Mercedes engine in a manner right now, it's not going to overtake the McLarens. They're still going to be, you know, they're three seconds off the place now and the McLarens are like two. It's, there's yeah. not a one second difference between the Ferrari and the Mercedes engine in a manor car. It's just not. I agree. And I don't think it would necessarily scare them all away either. And I'm not sure it would, every team would go for the Mercedes engine. Because the Mercedes engine is the best engine this year. But there's no saying it's going to be the best engine next year. No. Or the best engine the year after that. Mercedes isn't going to be the number one engine for the next 15, 20 years. It's just not going to happen. Like, these and things th- come in cycles in the same way that aero packages come in cycles. And things like, that. like yeah, it's the best now. But I think Ferrari is going to be much closer to them next season. And I think it, I think it also gives them gives other manufacturers more of an incentive to use it as uh, an, for their advertising sort of thing because then you're generally taking on a free market for the engines to choose. It's not a case that you know um, the so, engines are limited and bits and pieces. If you build the best engine, people will buy it, and then people will think well of your engine. Whereas at the moment that doesn't really kind of apply does it it feels like there is a good engine and nobody else is being allowed to do anything so you don't really know how good the engine is in in other cars with other designs and stuff i like the idea that all teams can use whatever engine they they can they can they can buy whatever they want and the teams don't have a right to refuse i like that idea i'm not sure about um turning up on a weekend and uh randomly assigning whatever Lot well, of engine that the, the only reason for that is to ensure engine parity so that a manufacturer doesn't get a thing and I, I think the other thing was is that you know there's still an advantage to being a manufacturer team or a works team I'm because almost... you will get the engine tech before everybody else you will understand the designs before anybody else yeah, you course, can design yeah. your chassis ahead of everybody else so there's still a lot of advantage to building your own engine 
Do you know what I mean? It's not like it suddenly becomes the only way to win is to buy the best engine. You can still, you know, or that you're completely hampered by the fact that other teams can have the same engine as you. You know, you, you will have probably, you know, six months, maybe even a year ahead knowledge of what's coming in the engine before the other teams then have to deal with it. Yeah, no, I, I like, like I say, I like the idea up to more or less up to a point. It'll be hilarious to see a Ferrari Mercedes engine. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I think that's that's the other thing, isn't it? Is that not all teams are, you know, any many works team is just going to say, well, no, we, we'll build our own engines, thank you very much, and, and take the challenge to Mercedes. Yeah, exactly. Because never... beating them beca- suddenly gives you a lot more kudos, doesn't it? Because yeah, you could have just bought want, the best yeah. engine. Yeah, yeah. People, if you if you develop, it gives a team an incentive to design their engine, beat the the current champions with your own designed engine, because then next season you're going to boost your own income because people are going to want to yep buy your engines. So yeah, I'm on board with that. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't didn't come across as quite the lunatic I thought I might possibly be when I first came up with that idea. But uh, yeah, there you go. Um, I think that's I think probably actually we we'll be going for nearly an hour and three quarters. So. Yeah, let's, nearly um, there. Yeah. Just... Let's wrap things up then. I think. Um, let's do a quick prediction then. Top top three for Suzuka. Do you reckon? Oh, there's so many variables. This I'm going to force you to answer this one, as I know you're not allowed to coward your way out of this one. Give me, give me predictions. Number one, Sebastian Vettel. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Two, Lewis Hamilton. Three, Danny Ricardo. Ooh, a proper a mix-up at the front of the grid. I like it. I like it. I'm going to say Sebastian Vettel. Number one? Yep. Yeah. So we're both banking on Mercedes' problems, Ian. <laughs> uh, again, this weekend. Daniel Ricardo second. And Danny Kvyat third. Ooh, so you think Mercedes have got no chance based on that prediction? I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> a, little uh, bit, it, a little bit of heart, uh, heart predictions rather than head predictions. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it would just it would be fun for leads in the championship to be eroded yep. a couple no, of races absolutely. in a row. Yeah, amazing um, if Mercedes slump lasts a few races and Vettel gets a few wins under his belt and all of a sudden we have a real championship on our hands. You know, we can hope. We'll wait and see. Yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping. There's a poll up on the, the Planet of Home website. It's Can Vettel Challenge? And it's, yep, he's closing in. Nope, Hamilton's leads to a big next year. It'll definitely be next year. <laughs> that's what that's what McLaren are saying, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> um, 2018 from McLaren. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Um, so I think that takes us nicely to the end of the show. Uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. And thank you for being very patient in waiting for this episode to come out. I know it's uh, been a bit of a delay in between times and we do try and avoid it where as best as possible but obviously in this time we weren't able to so uh, if I uh, get my boots on I might be able to get this up in the next three quarters of an hour uh, and you'll be able to be listening to me as soon as possible well if you listen to it now you're listening to it now so there you go you can <laughs> you can rate me when you hear this um, if you liked anything we've said uh, agree disagree or want to put your opinions across to us there's various different ways you can get in contact uh please find us on facebook just search for the last lap podcast and uh, like our page you can leave comments for us there uh we always publish the episodes up there so if you want to leave anything episode specific just reply to that and you know me and sean like to to uh 
keep an eye on that and reply whenever we can uh, you can tweet us at last lap podcast and we certainly respond to uh, your opinions on there we have some uh, good discussions with some of our regular listeners carly taylor if you're listening thank you very much for your uh, interesting discussions this week on uh, lotus re-signing pastor maldonado <laughs> i was highly highly amused by that um our website is www.lastlappodcast.co.uk. Uh, all the episodes go up there. You can uh, email us from there. All our contact details are up on there, um, and it's a good place to download. As well as all the links to iTunes and TuneIn, where you can subscribe and download the podcast. And as always, if you're subscribing via iTunes or uh, TuneIn, if you could leave us a little review and a rating, we'd be much appreciated. It always helps us to uh, expand our wings and get noticed by other people to uh, join in and uh, and help us make the podcast what it is so again thank you very much for listening guys uh let's hope for a good race in suzuka and we'll speak to you soon see you later goodbye cheers <laughs>